0: What a week it's been! So much to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Skell, and you are listening to Behind. No, sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark, and I'm Harris, and we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. This is uh, another review episode, kind of, I guess, basically, you could say. Because whenever our patron saint David Arquette gets involved in anything wrestling-related, well, that's immediately going to be priority number one for this show. So, we're going to talk about the uh, most recent episode of Dark Side of the Ring with all about Nick Gage, because there's a whole section with, Dave, with the uh, David Arquette debacle with... Uh, that death match. Actually, you could just go full alliteration. The, the David Arquette death death match debacle. There we go. That's what we could call that from now on. But um that's what we're that's the main thing we're going to talk about and obviously we're going to recap the week of wrestling, so yeah. This <laughs> this is what we keep going with.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, we, you know, we have uh, it, not even tens of listeners, but you guys like what we do. You've stuck around this long. You can stick around a little longer. We'll get back onto topics at some point. I mean, yeah, the irony of course, is that I now have plenty of time to find a topic, but I'm like, nah, it's not my turn. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's been a lot. <laughs> I was, spent, I spent half the week doing state volleyball tournaments. Baseball started and there's a, it's a hectic, hectic time period right now. Um, at, some point, but up, it'll, it'll, at it, some point, it won't last forever. It'll at some point last forever.
0: I will have independently researched a topic and I'll just drop this on you like right now, uh, but it's <laughs> not today, so no worries. We'll talk about Nick Gage. We'll talk about David Arquette. Yep. We'll talk about some dynamite. Um, I meant to go and watch SmackDown because I know there's good stuff on SmackDown, but every week you're like, "Did you watch it?" And I'm like, "Nah." And yep. I meant to do that like now, except. You reminded me to watch the Nick Gage thing, so I watched that instead. <laughs> but backlashes tonight. I'm sorry, oh. WrestleMania backlashes tonight. Just in case, like that actually, it's, wasn't. it
1: was last night.
0: I would have known if it was last night. Well, sure. well, as you're listening to this, right. it was
1: last night. Right? They already right. know what happened, and we don't care.
0: Yeah, can you guys believe CM Punk came back and beat <laughs> Roman Reigns for the title? That was crazy. I don't. I
1: don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, So that'll be like if that as if that pay-per-view wasn't weak enough already, like whatever happens after WrestleMania, there have been good matches there historically, but it's always some really weak, you know, like three fourths of the card is all of the WrestleMania matches run back again. And I don't think that's the case on this one. I don't think it's quite that bad, but like they had Oscar fighting Rhea Ripley again. And then they were like, you know what this match needs? Charlotte Flair so Charlotte Flair came back and was immediately inserted into the title match Roman Reigns is fighting Cesaro which is going to be fun I I just wish there were people man I I didn't realize how much I needed people in my wrestling until they had Wrestlemania with people Mm -hmm. and then went back to not having people and now even though I know there's a lot of good stuff going on like I'll tune into that pay-per-view tonight because you know Roman stuff is really good right now. Bailey is challenging Bianca Belair for the title. She won, obviously, as you guys all know, because this (laughs) is the next day. No, but uh, I'll check it out. It's really hard to go back. Like when there was no crowd and then there was Thunderdome, I was like, all right, this is fun. Going from crowd to Thunderdome again has made it really hard for even me to get back into this again. So Mm -hmm. I know you don't care. No, I just figured for the sake of posterity, I wanted to say all that right now because I haven't forgotten about wwe i'm just really eager for them to get back in front of people again i think that's going to make it a lot more exciting i think that's also frankly what makes dynamite a lot it's not the only thing but that's a big thing that makes dynamite a lot more watchable right now
1: yeah yep 100 percent. 100 uh so speaking of dynamite well actually yeah speaking of dynamite we might as well go into that that's a deep pretty good segue for that um all right did you watch dynamite <laughs> harris I want, yeah, so okay, I go. tuned
0: in a little late. I saw starting with Cody Rhodes's promo and then I went back and I rewatched the um gotcha. the beginning because I wanted to see how I like John Moxley's new entrance music.
1: Well, okay, so I, I was talking to someone about this yesterday because I that threw me off um, hearing Wild things by the Trogs. But apparently that is the music he uses when he wrestles in Japan. Oh, is it really? So, that's why okay. they did that. So, I don't think he's changing okay. music, which is a weird thing because usually Excalibur rambles about stuff like that, but uh, huh. that that's what someone I was talking to yesterday said. They said that, that was that's his Japan entrance okay. theme. So, I don't know. Maybe he will go to this. Maybe it was a switchover, or he could have just been using that because he was wrestling for the, the IWGP yeah. US title belt.
0: Okay, I got it. So... Well, we won't, we won't spend too much time on it then, but I gotta be honest. I like that a lot better than like, okay. um, Jungle Boy's new theme song. Love it. That's perfect. Uh, Uh, Orange Cassidy's Cassidy's new theme song. i like quite a bit on paper. It doesn't really sound like it should work, but I think it does. I think it fits the character pretty well. This is the first one where they've like licensed the song or apparently not. If he has used this in Japan where I've gone, Eh, I'm not nuts about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's fair. I,
1: I, To be honest, I'm not a fan of Jungle Boys. I I like the song, mm-hmm. and I like the fit, and it has the little thing for the crowd, but mm-hmm. it just, some songs just don't sound like entrance songs, and that just yeah. is not an entrance. Like, there's no energy behind that song as far as for an entrance <laughs> song. <laughs> you it's know, it's, it's similar with Orange Cassidy, but it's different. <laughs> it works better with him.
0: That's actually that's exactly how I feel about John Moxley's song. And for you, I don't know how you feel about this. You might hate me for this, but I felt the same way when Charlie Sheen used it as his entrance song in Major League. Like, it's fun when you have 20,000 people singing it. And presumably, like, that's what would happen if John Moxley keeps the song. But I just don't think that song has enough energy to be an entrance.
1: Well, that's why they made a different version for the movie. Right. Oh, did like they, the one from major that. league is like a, it's a, it's, well, it's there's, more rock. There's a, I forgot the band, but it's a, it's a female singer and it's way more rock than the uh, okay. original Trog's version.
0: Yeah. I went back cause I heard he changed his song, but I missed it cause I started watching dynamite at like eight 30. So I went and I was like, Oh, wild thing. I, yeah. Charlie Sheen. Okay. Let me listen to that. And I listened to it. And I was like, man, this is. Noticeably old. Right. You know, like it's rock and roll when like, rock and roll had barely existed at yep. all. So it's just not yep. quite <laughs> compare it to the super edgy wrestling themes that everyone else has. And that he had before this.
1: Yeah. Especially it's with Moxley's character, like his whole thing is about pure aggression. And so it's like, yeah, it's kind of tough with a more mellow yeah. song.
0: Like, is that the song of a man who would appear in a Nick gauge documentary? I think not. <laughs>
1: that's a fair point. But, uh, but no, that match was good. That match was good. Um, just solid. Hard hitting, you know, back and forth match, just brutal, just just old school. Beat the crap out of each other, like for real, and mm-hmm. uh, just just smash mouth match. Like it was, it was exactly what you expected from a match with these two involved, especially with a Japan style. And so yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was a good opener for the show as well. Good, it was a good opener match. Um. But uh, but yeah, so Moxley Moxley won, and um, so he still is the champion U.S. or the IWGP U.S. champion.
0: Shout out to them for never stripping him of that title, by the way. because yeah. I'm sure he's defended it a few times, but it hadn't been a lot. Yeah, no. And I genuinely thought, especially as he got more involved in AEW, I was like, all right, well they're gonna do something where they roll it into something else or he drops it to somebody in Japan or they strip him and have a tournament for it. And they're like, no, nah, it's cool, man. Just whenever you feel like it. So it's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all right. So after the match, we had uh, Cody, Cody came out and talked and there's a whole lot of, whole lot of negativity going around <laughs> about this promo. And I'm sorry, Harris. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. (laughs) I absolutely love this promo. I have not cared. Look, I complained last week about the direction Cody Rhodes has gone and the uninteresting matches that he keeps forcing us to watch him participate in. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of, this was, you know, going to be better, but I don't care about Anthony Agogo. I haven't even seen him wrestle. I don't even think he's wrestled yet. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't care. I know he's a Olympic boxer, but I just don't care. And, uh, I care now. I, 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 care. I care. After Cody's promo, I was like, all right, I'm in. I never, I never thought <laughs> anything negative the whole time watching this. And then I saw all this crap just bashing. And it's like, yeah, over the top, all this stuff. It's like, yes, but nobody talks like this anymore. And I liked it. And ending with the, uh, being the American dream. I thought that was awesome. So, I don't. I, I just don't understand why people are hating on this so much.
0: Well, this is going to be quicker than I thought. Then because I completely agree with everything you just said. I mean, we talked about it last week, and I was like, eh, you know, I don't really. It's Cody versus the the menagerie of people in the factory. That's what they call it now, right? That's stupid. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Don't really care about the foreign heel thing. Don't really have any hard feelings about Anthony Agogo. Like whatever. Yeah. But when he concludes his promo. And I'm, I'm sorry, I knew he wasn't going to say this, but literally he's wrapping up the promo and he's like, and hey, listen, this is a heavy mantle, but it's something I'm going to pick up again. I was like,
1: Stardust? What?
0: <laughs> 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 like, that doesn't make sense. I mark oh, no. out for that.
1: Make no mistake. Oh, Harris, that no. would be
0: incredible.
1: I knew where this was going way before it got to it. Like, I knew exactly where this was going. and
0: Well, and... and- as soon as he like, as soon as I realized it wasn't that, I was like, "Oh no, he's gonna be Dusty Rhodes." Yep. And I, I love it. I think that's perfect. I think that's a great touch. That's exactly like the foreign heel thing. I don't care about until you have that trump card yep. when he pulls that out of his back pocket. I'm like, "This is the, I'm in. This yep. is all. This is yeah. I, I'd pay to see this match and nothing else." Yep. Let's go. I, I, I I'm the really same thing. excited.
1: When he started talking, I cared nothing about this match other than, all right, I like watching Cody, and the matches are always fun. But I didn't give two craps about anything, and by the end, I'm just like, let's freaking go! Do
0: you think he'll—well, no, I guess he can't. I was going to say if he had Dusty's old theme music, but they probably won't do that, and I don't think they have the copyright for it. But if it opened with
1: America, I would lose my mind. See, look, but that's not Dusty's theme. That was his theme for the one year he— Stupidly yeah. went to WWF. Okay, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Hang on. What was yeah, Dusty you know. Rhodes' theme? Now I gotta look it up. Because again, okay. back in NWA, they used a lot more real songs.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I just I associate that with him because that's like that's the song that plays for him on WWE 2K. So when I would play that a lot, I would hear that. Yeah. Like the first thirty seconds of that song all the time, and it would be a great entrance music for this match. But yeah, no, that won't. That won't happen. That's okay, though. Yeah. So I'm while you're looking this up, I thought this was a really good promo. I do kind of love that Cody like gets real weepy in a lot of his promos these days. I think that's I I like that unironically, but I'm really excited for this match and I didn't care at all last week. So, you know, well done. Do I really feel like Cody's daughter when she's born is going to be like, wow, dad, you didn't fight that random British boxer like. Not really. I didn't. I didn't really care about bringing her up too much, but it doesn't matter. It's the American Dream, Cody Rhodes. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. I. I again, there's not like a definite answer for this because back in the day, they just used a bunch of different songs. Mm. Well, entrances were really a thing. I mean, there was very yeah. few people. You know, Ric Flair was one of the few that <laughs> that always had the same entrance always. Yeah. Um. So. But it was, it was just different. Like there, there's some of them, like uh, uh, oh man, um, like uh, the Road Warriors, like Road Warriors. They yeah, always, it was Iron Man by Black Sabbath. That was their that was their entrance theme. And you're just like, okay, yeah, that's awesome because they were they were some of the pioneers of entrances too, in yeah, uh, in, in no the kid. first place. Um, but uh, okay, it looks like he mainly used this song. You can't judge a book by Hank Williams. <laughs> and I'm gonna play this. <laughs> yeah, Harris, I know you can't hear it from this end, but when
0: you said Hank Williams, I can, I can take pretty good guesses yeah. to what it sounds like. That's right, it. No, no shade. Sure. Hank
1: Williams. That's a great... Featuring Huey Lewis. Yeah. Oh man, it's even better. Alright. So apparently this is one that I've seen several times you know you can't be too quick. about you him. Can't so. anyway,
0: okay. Just, well, just I'm as glad country we as to... it
1: gets, as country as it gets. And yeah. you're just like, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, I'm really glad we went down this little rabbit hole. I didn't think we'd talk this much about this, but now if he comes out to Hank Williams, you and I, and probably nobody else are going to lose our mind because we understand
1: that nobody else under things. the age of 50. No, we'll we'll probably understand that. But OK, now no. we know uh, yeah, because again, be even back in the day when you watch old matches, there's not a lot of, you know, it entrance just wasn't really a thing till kind of the 90s other than a handful right. of, you know, a handful of superstars. So, oh, yeah, of course, the Freebirds were the other pioneers with entrance entrances and songs because they made their own songs. Bad Street USA. <laughs> it's awesome. Smart. Um, Anyway, so I don't know where we were going with that. Where we where got off track. That was good. Very that far. match is going to yes, be good. Yes, we both liked it. The segment like it. was good. Yeah, I we're just do you could say it's corny or rambling and stuff like that, but dude, I don't care. I was captivated by the whole thing. So, yeah, and I love. Is it just because like, I'm a Cody Rhodes, Mark? Maybe, but maybe. Regardless, I loved it, and I was well, I was and, fired up, and I was ready. I was ready to run through a wall hold, holding an American flag by the end.
0: Yes, dude. Well, and Cody, like. To his credit, because he he's a guy who really has, I mean, like Dusty did, like he has a mind for pro wrestling and oh, he yeah. understands character and storytelling. And throughout his whole career, like I, I didn't know much about him at first, because when I started watching wrestling, he was just trapped as stardust. Right. And even then, he would find like little ways to let himself like shine through in the role, but it was hard. Yep. And then when he left, I would listen to him do a lot of interviews and I was like, OK, this guy clearly gets it like he's really smart he's got a lot of good ideas and i'm excited to see what he brings to the table and in those interviews he would talk about how like he very intentionally shied away from being a dusty Rhodes clone he didn't right. want to hit the bionic elbow he didn't want to do all this stuff because he knows if he hits that elbow and the you know the crowd will pop but they're not cheering for him right they're cheering because they like that move and ultimately in the long term there's no future for him if that's the character he builds for himself and he has always understood that so to see him understand the value and the appeal of tapping back into that for this one special occasion that's awesome and that's a testament to cody rhodes and his wrestling brain and I'm really excited because I, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't hit one or two signature dusty moves yeah. in this match. And, and because I can, he said, you know, it's for this one special occasion. I really love that.
1: Yeah. And, and I can see, cause I, some other big complaints about it have been like, Oh, you're going to waste this moment for this match. And that's fair. I mean, that yeah. that's fair, but like it was awesome. Well, here's the flip side. Like We didn't
0: care about it until he did that anyway. So you might as well, you know, if Cody Rhodes is fighting, I don't even know. Like he already fought Nick Aldis for the NWA title. So that doesn't really work. If he were fighting some other foreign guy for like a championship or something, you can make that a good story in and of itself. Yeah. I don't have a problem with him using this to elevate something I didn't care about before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind. Don't mind at all. But yeah, I liked it. So all you people are hating on it. You suck. Have fun because it was awesome. Um, all right. Uh, then we had the tag team match. I'm sorry, it's the Young Bucks. I just, I just don't care right now. Um, it, you know, uh, this is just one of those tough matches for me to get into because, like, I like, I really like SCU. I like this feud and this story, but it came so fast, and they didn't even build it up for the show, like for the pay per view, because yeah for some reason. And so they just did it the next week. And if you lose your breakup, basically a retirement match. And you're just like, why, why do we have to keep putting these? So many of these type of stipulations and matches that don't help because you, it just immediately tells you the result of these matches. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and I just haven't, I just don't give two craps about the young bucks trying like bad actors to be heels. It's
0: uh <laughs>
1: it's just not yeah. great. And uh yeah, so unfortunately even though all these guys can go and work really well together and they put on a good match, I just I did not care. Yeah, I think like the ending it, was good though, but yeah, I just think like what I'm kind of with you. Like I
0: both of these guys, I know and respect like objectively because I know they've done a lot of great stuff in the indies and like I know they're good. I accept that. But I've never seen anything on AEW television to get me to really buy into their characters. And I don't understand, like, I think we'll, we might talk about this later, but I don't understand how you don't push this to double or nothing and right. let it be its own pay per view moment. If nothing else, correct me if I'm wrong weren't SCU the first tag team champions in AEW? Yes, they were. Couldn't you like, if nothing else. And again, I don't really care about this team, like emotionally at all, but if nothing else, this deserves a video package where you reflect on their career and you reflect on their run and you reflect on the fact that they're the AEW, the first AEW tag team champions. And you build that into the story. Like at the end of the match, when I don't, I don't, I don't remember which one because I can't tell them apart. If you gave me a thousand dollars, but one of the young bucks goes, "I'm sorry, I love you," and kicks yeah. him in the face, that annoyed me. And it didn't annoy me like people on Twitter were like, "No, it was a throwback." I was like, "Yeah, no, we get it. Like everyone yeah. gets what that was." Yep. It annoys me because he's using that line and wasting it on a storyline that didn't have nearly the depth or yeah. like the emotional resonance. Of the actual Ric Flair retirement angle, which is one of my favorite matches of all time. Yep. And he throws it out there and I'm like, no, that's the whole, that honestly, Mark, that's the problem with the young bucks is they think that that's enough to make that moment matter. And it's not. No. That's what
1: it is. Yeah, I agree. Um I mean, look, I know that there. this is going to – it's probably going to be Moxley-Kingston versus the Young Bucks at uh, double or nothing. That sucks. But the fact that this match was used as just a stepping stool for that is – I think that's unfair. That's massively unfair to SCU and massively unfair to the history between these two teams. So – it's just dis- It was just kind of disappointing. The match was really good. It just, you know, and I thought the ending was good and well done. It was a good finish, but it just, it, it was just a stepping stone match. And it shouldn't have been. It should have been yeah. worth more than and that. And I I like John
0: Moxley and Eddie Kingston, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very, it's a very WWE move, frankly, to burn a tag team that's been together for years and is universally liked and respected as a tag team. Yeah. for a tag team of two big single stars who paired up like two months ago and yeah. they get the title shot at the pay-per-view like that's yeah that's pretty weak and i'm saying this is somebody who doesn't even care about scu i'm just like oh, i feel like that's not that wasn't good right yeah
1: yeah i agree um so is gonna break up now uh, we'll see what they do with that. It would be, um,
0: by the way, it would be hilarious if they just didn't. If they were like, nah, yeah. <laughs> that, that sucked. We're just not going to do any of that.
1: Yeah, that would be funny. We'll see. Uh, so then we had another moment that just makes no sense. Well, uh, we talked about this last week. The whole promo of Orange Cassidy versus Pack. We're going back to our ranking system for the first time that we haven't mentioned in forever. And uh, the winner of that will be our challenger with zero storyline in one of our four pay-per-views in two (laughs) weeks or whatever it is. And we're like, yeah, I mean the promo was good and Kenny was great. And his stuff with orange Cassidy was great. All that was great, but like, come on, like you guys are better than this. This is your world title and you have four shows and you're not going to build it up for one of them. It's just so weird. So we had that, you know, match orange Cassidy and pack, which look, man, there was no way it wasn't going to be disappointing. Because the last one was so good, yeah. Um, but anyway, unfortunately for them, Orange Cassidy got hurt, so uh, they they had to cut the match short. Um, which obviously, you know, that that's no one's fault. It just it is what it is. Um, I, I think the finish was supposed to be a, a time limit draw. Mm-hmm. And instead, they just did the double count out, which I mean, it, it, you know, all things considered that that works fine as far as their overall story. But um, but, yeah, that, you know, I mean, it was good. And, and then uh, once Cassidy got hurt, you know, and they had to stop the match, it just, you know, it lost a lot of a lot of its thunder from there. And then. Are we I'm trying to figure out because we've talked about the you know how the best heels the main champion heels have to have an element of you know real skill and danger and also just be complete cowards like there's a fine Mm -hmm. line again Mm -hmm. Ric Flair is just the template like he just is Mm -hmm. like that that's wrestling heel champion perfection. Um, But uh, and so they've been kind of trying to do that with Kenny Omega and Don Callis but sometimes they just really make them seem like morons. And this was one of them when they're all like, Oh, no, one, no, I don't have to wrestle anybody. And you're like, no, we've watched wrestling before. It means you have to right. wrestle both of them every single time. Never one time in the history of professional wrestling has a draw or a double count out between the main, the, the, the number one contenders not led to a triple threat match. The answer is zero. It's never not happened ever. And so you're just sitting there and you're like, Oh boy, now they look like morons. But I, I mean, that's kind of, part of it in a way, but sometimes I think it's just kind of dumb and that was just kind of dumb, but, uh, anyway, so now it's going to be a triple threat with him. Hopefully Cassidy will be okay. Um, by then. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that'll be fun. It's again, just dumb that there's their title match has no storyline behind it, but, but, uh, I mean, it'll be, I mean, these guys are great. So the matches should still be a, a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for the match. I,
0: in retrospect, like it's easy to say, oh well. After, let's see, I guess two weeks ago, Kenny Omega faced off and specifically like ran down Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and I might have even mentioned this on the show, but I was kind of annoyed because I was like, oh gee, I wonder who's gonna win the match next week. Yeah, and I like making it if you're going to do this, and if in one of your four pay-per-views a year you're going to kind of rush this angle on a two week build. I would rather you make it a triple threat match like that. That makes it a little bit better because it's, it's a little bit more of a spectacle than if it was just a one-on-one match with no personal build in a triple threat. You don't need as much personal build. So I'm okay with that. Like I get it. I gotta be honest. I, as all of the criticisms I've had about the young bucks in the last few weeks, months, however long, yep. Used to kind of apply to Kenny Omega too, but since he became the champion, like everything he does on his own, I really dig as a heel performance. And yeah, it's super stupid. Like he's clearly never watched wrestling. Right. In the same way that if SCU were just like, no, we changed our minds. Like nobody could force them. Like they were the ones who said, if we lose, we're breaking up. right? Right. And it would just be funny if they bailed. It would be really funny if Tony Khan was just like, Shoot. Yeah. I guess we can't like, we can't book anything else. That's too bad. That would be very <laughs> funny if it just worked once. Yeah. But everything he was doing in that segment, I really liked to me oh, that sure. struck a really good balance of, like you said, it's the cowardly heel, the chickenish heel, but who you know is still good. Yeah. And that annoys you even more. Cause you know, he could wrestle these two guys. Right. He just doesn't want to like, that's a good heel performance. I really liked all of that. Don Callis, I think, is still more annoying, like in a meta sense, not like yeah. I'm being worked. Like, I just actually think he's annoying and not as good at what he does as Kenny Omega is. But <laughs> finding out after the fact that they had to improvise all of that because Orange Cassidy got concussed. And yeah. by the way, the exact moment you think he gets concussed, too, like watching the match. Yeah. You see him take that hit, and you're like, ooh, is he okay? And then you're like, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Oh, no, he's not. Okay. But realizing after the fact that, like, no, he really wasn't. He was really concussed. And they had to improvise all of that. I was super impressed with Kenny Omega and how he – how great – like, it felt like that promo was something he had practiced. Yeah, I mean, it really did. And I guess he had some of it ready because the plan finish was that they were going to – go to a time limit draw. And I guess in retrospect, he was going to come out and say a lot of the same stuff, mm-hmm. but I thought he handled all that really well. Like you said, I hope orange Cassidy's okay. I read he passed concussion protocol, which oh, well, that's is, that's good. A, that's a filthy lie. Cause that man was absolutely <laughs> concussed, but listen, I think that triple threat will be fun. So if also, that's how we have get there. I'm have, all for it. I
1: can't remember. Have we had a triple threat title match in AEW yet?
0: I don't think we have. I and if you're going to do one. it, like, this is a pretty good way to do it. Again, yeah. would you like to see a more personal build? Sure. Yes. But if they're not going to do that, make it a spectacle match. Make it something insane, like a triple threat or a ladder match. That'll need. I'm I'm all for that. I don't know yeah. how, like, I don't know. The dynamic's going to be really interesting because you have Orange Cassidy and then you have like two of the most intense people on the planet yeah. on the other side of that. But there's. <laughs> There's going to be some great spots and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to uh to that that match. Um all right, uh we had the pinnacle thing when they came out and uh typical heel you got to celebrate their their victory, of course, and you get the you know, the gifts being given out and everything. It's great. It's all very four horsemeny and I like yeah. all that stuff. Um and then of course you know there's the big thing of oh we'll never see Jericho again or whatever he was saying and then it's like oh hey 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 max and then there's jericho and then we have the inner circle coming in and they go out it and that's when we are announced so we're going to do another stadium stampede and if inner circle loses oh what a unique idea they have to disband <laughs> forever we didn't just see that done and stepped on like SCU's been around for like 10 years as a tag team. Does that matter when they break up? Nope, throw it away. Let's do the exact same thing later in the show. (sighs) It's things like these where I'm just like, all right, some people working, and sometimes AEW, they're just stupid. And this is an instance where you're just stupid. (laughs) Like you have no self awareness whatsoever. (laughs) And you guys are just dumb. This is a terrible idea. Look, it might still be great because everyone involved is very good, but this should not be happening. You should not do a stadium stampede again. This should not be a Royal Rumble situation. That will fail miserably. That is not something you can do over and over again. It's just not. So the fact that they're doing this, I was like, wow, I've never been less interested in something in my life And uh, let's see how forced and terrible this is going to be. Again, everyone is great. These two teams are great. So I'm not saying there won't be some good stuff, but just what a lazy idea. And it's another lose disband. Oh, let's see if this team that everyone likes and is doing well is uh, now gone. Or if this brand new one that just started will be gone for it or whatever. And you're just like, (laughs) right. Well, no, hang on. So the pinnacle, I mean,
0: this might be tell you what's going to happen in the match. The pinnacle, if they lose, does not have. Oh, to right, right, right. Yeah, That's yeah, 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 never brought up. Sure, 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 so sure, So sure. again, right, oh, geez, right. I wonder who's going to anyway. Oh,
1: Here's if one team thing, wins, like, there's no stipulation and another yep. team wins then there is. Oh, OK, great. That's great booking right there. I,
0: I like Chris Jericho a lot. I think the stage in his career, he's he's really thriving. I respect mm-hmm. a lot of what he's done. I don't understand why he, of all people, before the um, Blood and Guts match, just told someone in an interview, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be a long-term feud. Because that just – it didn't break this feud for me, but it really yeah, undermines kinda, everything Yeah, it
1: kind of does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Like, it
0: doesn't – like, I'm still going to watch it, and it's still going to be fun to watch these matches, I think. It's fun to watch them interact. But he really – cut the knees out from under himself by saying that because one watching blood and guts you're already like okay well i know none of this is going to matter because i've heard real life man chris jericho say that his character will keep fighting this character after this match so why should i care right like you know like this is i mean we we know this is stupid but like imagine if in the like media lead up to avengers infinity war chris evans was, was like yeah, and when we all come back in the sequel to this, it's going to be wild. Like, just don't do that. (laughs) Just play along, man. Like, that was Bush League. But the the reason this doesn't bother me as much, or it could bother some people more, and I would understand that too, is like, this is the one angle of all the ones they've done where like, hey, if you lose, you break up, actually makes sense. MJF is standing there in the ring, and he's like, no, we won the big gimmick match. You guys have to lay low for a while. And you're coming back two weeks later. That's BS. You have to break up if we beat you again. Yep. That makes more sense than the Young Bucks doing it or SCU doing it. Like, this is the only one they've done. Then I'm like, well, yeah, no, that, that tracks. Because I don't know. They I get why they did this. It's not really their fault. But they kind of put themselves at a disadvantage by having the blood and guts match on television. And Mm -hmm. then having a pay per view three weeks later. Yeah. Because it really feels like they should have like sold losing that match for a while. It feels like they they should have have gone for a little while. And
1: build up the blood and guts match till the pay per view. Yeah, they could have done that too and then do this
0: for the next pay per view or whatever. But, or, right. And you would kind of expect, like, oh, it's Sammy Guevara and Santana or Ortiz. They're back. And then the next week, oh, there's Hager. And then the next week, oh, Jericho's back. Having them all rock up like a week after the fact and Jericho apparently actually got hurt, which sells that week finish better, in my opinion. So that's yeah, that's not good, but it's good from a storytelling perspective. But I guess having them all rock up immediately, I understand why MJ was like, you know, you guys have to stop. We won the match. (laughs) I get that. I get why that's his instinct. I think that it's, and, and this is why MJF is great, by the way, he was like, we're going to do a stadium stampede. And then me and every other dork who's watching dynamite is like, wait, but isn't that a comedy match? And he's like, no, no, no. It's going to be serious this time. Cause if you lose, you guys have to break up. Yay. I don't know if they
1: can pull that off or not,
0: but you know, I'm, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't excited to see that match. Maybe it'll be a I'm mess, I'm but...
1: more I'm just curious more than excited. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. by how terrible I believe this is probably going to go uh, mm. in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, I was very disappointed. Uh, it was very. Di- I thought the segment it was terrible, and the storytelling has been <laughs> awful with these two teams. Where it started off so well. Uh, oh, well, other than the stupidity of Max having a team already, like that whole thing was dumb. We have already talked about that. But oh, but I, I in, but gotta in, be
0: honest. I kind of like that. But, but in, they, I think they retconned that very well. It wasn't done well at the time, but they retconned it well, in my opinion. They yeah, retconned it
1: okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, So, but other th- aside from that, it started off really well with them just getting decimated and then off TV for a few weeks. And then the return of them was, you know, uh, we've already talked about one of the greatest segments ever. and <laughs> uh, And then you just kind of shoehorn into the blood and guts match. You know, that debacle of an ending. And then now we're just going right into another ginormous gimmick <laughs> match two weeks right. later. Right. That's a comedy match. At least was last year. And you're, right. and now we're going to put in the stipulation where if you lose, you're done. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like the laziest. It's like the laziest thing I've seen from AEW. Mm I
0: can, Well, you know what that is. I mean, at some point they realized, hey, this might be the last pay-per-view we do from Daly's place, mm-hmm. at least for a while. But, you know, like yeah. in the future, it's all going to be like 10,000 seat arenas or maybe one day yeah. bigger. So they were like, well, shoot, when else are we going to do a stadium stampede match? I guess we better do it now. Yeah, I don't know if they can pull off a serious stadium stampede match, I, to be honest, because
1: I don't okay. either. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Thunder Rosa had a squash match, which is fine. Heck um, yes. Dr. Britt Baker came out because she's wrestling for the title um, at double or nothing. And if there's ever a time for Britt Baker to be champion, it better be right now. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. she They yeah, need her okay. to be champion in the worst way. She, I mean, yeah. she like we talked about it before, she's the perfect type of heel to be a long-reigning champion because she's, yeah. you know, not the biggest person and you know cheat. you know is good but is just annoying and cheats and all that stuff like she has all those all those factors so she needs to be champion Mm -hmm. that needs to happen and then we need to build up to another uh thunder rosa britt baker title match um so yeah that needs to happen uh although i think technically thunder Rosa is the number one contender yeah, no, Thunder she's, Rosa beat she's her the number in that two. Match. Oh, no, she's still the number two, even though she beat Britt Baker, like, a few weeks ago. Right. Britt Baker's still the number one contender, which doesn't make any sense with their rankings, but whatever.
0: Um, no, but it's going to be a great angle when it happens, because yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they're going to do. The story's going to be Thunder Rosa's like, hey, what, I beat you in that match. Yep. I deserve to be champion, Yep, and it's going to be great. Yep. So who cares?
1: Yep. yep. I'm in. No, no, yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, I've been in from the start. It's just, that was one thing I saw someone talk about and I was like, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense, but oh well. Um, all right. So then we went to the main event again, Darby Allen, man, in the main event again, I don't know, what is this like three or four weeks in a row and, uh, or no. not last week, not last week. Um, but before that there's been a lot, but anyway, um, Darby Allen versus Miro for the TNT title and, uh, boy. This was, this was awesome. It was great. It was everything I hoped it was going to be. To be honest, I kind of, I kind of wish Darby Allen was beaten up even more, but, Mm -hmm. but still (laughs) they pretty much did what we were talking about and what we thought they should do. They gave Darby Allen more offense than maybe I would have, but agreed, but it wasn't, you know, he never was in control of the match at any point. Um, exactly. It was exactly. just a couple of moves and then Miro was right back to dominating. So it wasn't a squash match. I think it was still like 15 minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a well done match and where Miro was total, totally dominant the whole time and ended up winning and is now the TNT champion. That's exactly what we need. Um, yeah, it was a perfect timing for that. It's a perfect person to do it. Cause now Miro can just go on a rampage. Hopefully. And, uh, yeah, I, I liked everything about it. I, th- again, like those couple of things, maybe I would have changed a little bit, but for the most part, I thought it was great.
0: Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think you described it really well after talking about it. First of all, calling it two weeks ago Oh yeah. and then talking about it last week. Cause I didn't think it would happen this quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Watching this match live. I was like, every time Darby got offense and a part of me was like, no, 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 don't do that. But you're right. Like you nailed it. Every time he would start to hurt Miro, Miro would cut him off at the knees. Like you never felt at any point that Darby Allen sustained the momentum necessary to win this match, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you needed. I think this is the perfect balance. Like you know, it, it's easy for big companies to sort of default to fifty-fifty booking or have bad guys win in a way that's really cheap because they think that protects the good guys. Mm-hmm. But I think this was perfect for everyone involved. I mean, yep. Darby Allen still looks like a million bucks. He's still
1: protected, too, because he got hurt last
0: week. Exactly. Looks tough as nails. And yep. here's the other thing. And, well, this isn't really unrelated, but the video package leading into this match where he's walking around Seattle was awesome. I yeah. really, really liked that. And you're exactly right. He's still protected the storyline, not even just that he got hurt last week, but they talk about it on commentary. They were like. Darby's been defending this belt every, every week.
1: week yeah,
0: and he's taken a lot of damage. That's the, and every match he he's play. literally
1: almost died.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's how you have your babyface champion lose. And then yep. Miro, like two weeks ago is like maybe longer ago than that, but he kills Kip Sabian. Yep. He's like, listen to me. If you have gold in AEW, you have a problem. I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, let's go. You, you pay that off. You don't have him tease that and then make him lose. Right. He sustains his momentum. Nobody thinks any less of Darby Allen. Nope. Miro didn't have to cheat to win. Nope. Yeah, it, it was excellent. You Absolutely automatically excellent. set up the
1: next match. Now now Miro and Lance sure. Archer are going to tear the house down with a brawl for all insane level of just – where you just want to see them kill each other for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Now, if we –
0: I'll quibble a little bit and say you can just end the show with Miro standing tall. You don't sure. have to have someone else run out.
1: Immediately, no, but that's no. a nip- But they already did that anyway because they're setting up Sting and Darby Allen with oh. uh, Page and <laughs> uh, uh, Scorpio Sky.
0: So here's my favorite. So I, I like this match a lot. I thought this was really good. I liked the way it was booked. It was very funny. That the the match starts with Miro beating up Darby Allen, taking advantage of his injuries. And constantly calling for the ref to ring the bell, right? Yeah. He's like, start the match, ring the bell. Let's do it. Let's do it. And the announcers are playing up the fact that like, no, I don't, I don't know. This isn't fair. The match hasn't started. He can't right. get DQ'd. And then it just cuts the sting at ringside. Like, oh, this is really out of hand. <laughs> oh, well, like he doesn't do anything. He does think he's there yeah. to like. Come in and like get Miro to back off and like stand Darby back up and restart the match. No, he's just standing there. And he's like, man, that's messed up. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, I was that a little was confused really funny, with that but again, too. That's a nitpick more than anything else. It was just the choice to cut to him. Yeah, it was literally comical. It was like they wanted to do that. Yeah, but strange. hey, again, I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was good.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, but but yeah, everything was fine. Uh, obviously. That'll be a fun tag match, Uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page with Allen and Sting. I'm not sure what – because the last time they did a cinematic thing with Team Taz, so I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if they'll do something like that again. And again, if they do, I'm perfectly down for it because I think think it's great the way they they did the last one. But um, Mm -hmm. we'll see if they announce that this week for Double or Nothing. I would assume so, but we'll – We'll see. Again, every match with Double or Nothing is all just being thrown together. I mean, yeah, some of these things have been going on for a while. Like, obviously, Paige and, and Scorpio Sky have been attacking Darby Allen and Sting for a while. But, I don't know. It just seems like most of the matches have really just kind of been kind of thrown together. Like, when, when they're just announced, you know, like just a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, it's just kind of like, eh, you could have done a little better. But, yeah, you know, I, I I'm still excited for pretty much all the matches.
0: Yeah, no, I think you pretty much nailed it. Like, I'm looking forward to this show. It's going to be a fun show. It's also kind of weird to say, hey, you guys only do this four or five times a year. You couldn't have, like, built a little bit more into this. I mean, the I don't think this is happening, but there is also a possibility that they looked around and they were like, look, we've got, like, four or five really clean, quality storylines planned, and we're going to wait to start doing them until we get yeah. in front of like full capacity crowds again. I don't know. It's it, every criticism at this point is a nitpick, right? It's, it's yeah. all pretty good.
1: Yeah. 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 Most of our AEW complaints for the most part are more nitpicks than anything else. Um, but anyway, that's pretty much the show. So yeah, that was AEW. Uh, right. Here's a segue
0: for you, buddy. How Perfect. about this? I don't ever want to see Darby Allen wrestle a match with Nick Gage. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, someone will die and it will be Darby. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Just, yep. I'm glad like, I
0: didn't. We'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the ending. Cause this is the whole reason we watched this, but I didn't know who Nick Gage was until he almost killed David Arquette that one time.
1: Yeah. I think like my, I didn't really know. I, I maybe had heard the name, but no, I didn't know anything about him.
0: So this, uh, this, I guess this is our topic for this week, more or less. It's kind of a, it's a semi topic, this dark side of the ring episode featuring Nick Gage. It's real good, real interesting. I'm glad I didn't see it. Like the first half of it before he wrestled David Arquette, because I would have been way more stressed about it, but, (laughs) uh, super interesting, super good.
1: Yeah, I mean all of these have been really good and I I need to watch more of them cuz I've only seen a handful of these Dark Side of the Ring episodes. Um yeah. But uh yeah, they're all really well done. All of them are great. All of them are interesting. And uh yeah, th- yeah, this boy. Um Yeah, this was this was something. This was a this was a journey you go watching <laughs> watching this Nick Gage stuff, man. I mean it takes the, it takes Terry Funk and Mick Foley to a whole nother level. Like it's just, you talk about a guy who just is gonna k- kill everybody and himself every time he wrestles. Look, I'm I'm not a death match fan. Never have been. Never will be. I don't particularly like to watch them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I respect these people who are gonna who make this their thing. It's just. It's very bizarre, makes no sense, but it works, and there's a big fan base for it, and yeah, that, that's really all I have to say about the deathmatch a- element of it. Yeah, I mean, I like that they
0: – first of all, this is not related to what you just said, but it always cracks me up that Chris Jericho narrates these things <laughs> because every time I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, yeah. And it just kind of takes me out of it for a second. (laughs) I like that they can bring in at least AEW talent. Clearly they can bring in John Moxley to be like, yeah, this dude's crazy. And you, like, I, you kind of tend to forget that like John Moxley.
1: was one of those guys
0: in matches like this. And I think that that's a testament to the point that he makes, which is that like, look, it's about your ability to tell a story and connect with a crowd. And these guys can do that. Like it's yeah. easy to think at a high level, oh, well, they only do this because they're not as good of wrestlers or they're not as big or they're not as sexy as, you know, mm-hmm. traditional pro wrestlers. And there's there's some truth to that. But it's also I'm glad they brought John Moxley in to make this point like and you, you knowing that that's where he got his start. They they understand exactly how to work a crowd, too. It is all still storytelling. It is all still pro wrestling. That was a really I'm glad they had him there to give that perspective. Yeah, because it's really fascinating to look at him as a guy who can make it in CZW and frankly make it in WWE Mm -hmm. and AEW and get over in different ways. It's a good Look, I guess for deathmatch people that they wouldn't yeah. otherwise normally get, because yeah, you look at him and you're like, yeah, and Gage is a lunatic. Why would you ever do that? And and stop there. But I appreciated John Moxley being there because it doesn't let you stop there. It makes you think more about how good he is at what he's doing, even though they didn't dwell on that so much as they dwelt on like the crimes and the drugs, right. which makes sense. But yeah, no, that was uh that was super interesting. I like that they started. I guess sort of started like it's a couple big key matches. Right. Yeah. And the first one they start with is at the tournament of death where you can't really see it because it's still broadcast television. But like presumably he's thrown through a series of light tubes and then falls on one outside of the ring. Is that what happened?
1: I think it was. uh, Yeah, I couldn't quite tell. I think it was. However, one broke like as he went through the ring ropes, like that's where it okay. caught him. But yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. The point is, he died. Yep, that's the point. Literally, and I, I do love how they had Moxley saying it. it's like literally the tournament of death. Like, you're not supposed to actually have someone die, and but it did. Like, I loved how how much he was still like, I can't believe this actually happened here. Like when moxie was talking about that
0: yeah and a great like so he gets like basically stabbed with a light tube obviously like this is the we don't know anything about death matches but like Mm -hmm. the idea is like it's mostly superficial right it's like like when you blade in a wrestling match it looks great, but in reality, you just kind of nick the skin, like, right above your hairline. Well, so you no, bleed Harris, buried...
1: I'm pretty sure the whole point of this whole documentary was that is not the way these death matches are. No, no, no,
0: exactly. But, well, so here's what I'm saying. Like, nor- you know, normally you smash through a light tube. You get pretty cut up. You bleed. It hurts like a you-know-what. But your life is probably not actually in danger unless oh, yeah, you fall yeah, on yeah. one at a weird angle. It just guts right into your artery and then you're bleeding buckets out of your side, which happens frequently in matches like this, which is the sort of the theme here. But that wasn't supposed to happen, but it was a great like great moment. One, yeah, like you said, for Moxley to point out, you know, you're not actually supposed to die, but he was actually declared dead. Right. Because (laughs) because it's a death match tournament. And we don't want to, like, deal with potential lawsuits or cops telling us we have to stop our death match. So we're going to have this match in the middle of nowhere, which means if you accidentally stab yourself in the artery with a light tube, we can't get the ambulance to you. Right. And God, I wish they had interviewed the pilot of that helicopter who was just like, yeah, we got a call because this guy in a wrestling match in a field is bleeding out. (laughs) he's like, all right. And they fly out there and they get him and they cart him off. And he, you know, he flatlines on the helicopter flight. I mean, that was insane.
1: Yeah. But
0: an absolutely great moment where somebody for, I I honestly don't know what reason is filming him backstage as he is literally bleeding out and would soon lose consciousness because he lost so much blood. And Nick Gage is like, No, no, no. Come on. I can do it. Let me go back out there, which that's pretty normal. Like, that's You understand wrestlers would have that mentality even when they're literally dying. Yeah. And his idea of compromise is like, no, no, no. Okay, well, fine. Let me pretend to go back out there. And then you guys walk me off. And they're like, no, you have to get on this helicopter. You're about to die. (laughs) That was incredible, because even when he's like like the wrestler brain says, finish the match. Right. Always finish the match. The show must go on. But even when he can't do that, his idea of compromise is, well, I still have to be tough. Like, I have to sell my toughness. So let me try to go back out there. And then you stop me. And they're like, again, no, you can't do that. That was such a great, like, wild pro wrestling moment that he just took it another level. Yep. And that he was so badly hurt that they were like, no, we can't work you being airlifted. You just have to be airlifted (laughs) to the hospital. (laughs) That was incredible. And a great note to start out on, I guess. yeah, I, I guess the other guy won the match. I feel like that's I don't know. I don't like I'm like you, I don't have a love for death matches. I don't really watch them habitually. I feel like if you see that, are you mad? I feel like you're not because the whole point of the death match is like, oh, one of these guys might actually die. So if after the first bump, they have to literally airlift a guy out, I guess you're like, Well, yeah, fair enough. Like, I don't think people were too mad about that non-finish, I hope. (laughs) right? But you know, here's the thing, dude. This is what I thought about watching this. You know there were people who thought it was a work until and possibly after the helicopter showed up. That's what's beautiful about pro wrestling is that there was definitely one guy who was like, no, 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 he's coming back out. Watch. And then his buddy was like, that's literally a helicopter landing in the field. Like, he's not coming back out.
1: (laughs) That is a good point. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot going on with a lot of these matches, but of course we had the kind of the big finale, I guess, of the show, with uh, our patron saint, David Arquette, deciding it was a good idea to wrestle Nick Gage in a death match. Um, mm-hmm. But I do love the way that whole picture is painted. Um, it's I think it's almost even painted better in this than it was in You Cannot Kill David Arquette. At least this moment, where you, you know, they build up David Arquette's past with wrestling, and then it's literally just, I'm so desperate, desperate's not even the right word, but I'm so committed to changing this perception of me, that mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go out there and do a death match with this Nick Gage, like sure, and I'm sure it'll be bad and hard and everything, but yeah, like, just, that his frame of mind was literally just, I gotta shake this. And this is how I will, I can get that respect. And to be honest, he was 100% right now. Should he have still done it? No, but he was 100% right. And, uh, you know, by almost dying in a death match, it did get a lot of the validation that he had wanted back from the wrestling community. Yeah. I think he's,
0: he actually, I think it's interesting because at a high level, like this documentary, basically gives you Nick Gage's side of the story where yeah. he's like, Alright, I'm talking to this guy, David Arquette, at the steakhouse he took me to, which is a great touch. It both is. Both in and out of K-Fabe. But and he's like, oh yeah, I don't know if this guy can handle it, but whatever, let's go. And obviously you cannot kill David Arquette is an entire feature-length documentary dedicated to David Arquette right. and his perspective on his wrestling career, but also this particular match. But let me think about this for a second. Where was I going with that? So (laughs) but yeah, so David Arquette, this is what it was, I think explicitly said in this documentary what he never did in You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is the point of that whole documentary. But he just in this came out and said, I didn't want to be a joke anymore. Yeah. I mean, he literally said that like almost verbatim. And you're right. Like, was that a great move? Probably not. Was that the moment that made everyone on the planet except for us because we already loved it? Right, David we Arquette. were already
1: all in way before then. Is that the
0: moment that made every wrestling fan sit up and say, "Okay, you have to respect David Arquette." Yep, it kind of was. It was that's messed up, but it is. man, it's a cool moment and it's a really great like you know the best moments in wrestling blur that line mm-hmm. or play with that line intentionally between the kayfabe and the reality of the situation. This is exactly one of those scenarios. Now was I a little annoyed at Nick Gage for burying David Arquette? Yeah. Yeah. But also, he's he's a consummate professional deathmatcher. That's that is kind of <laughs> his job. That's kind of what you get. True. And David Arquette to his credit has always been very honest about like, look, like I, I had no business I mean, being there. Well, n- not only that he had no business being there, but I think this is a testament to Nick Gage like David Arquette for as much pain and you know, like what's the word surface level damage that he had taken was fine. Yeah. It was when he freaked out and understandably. So by the way, I'm not judging him for this, but it was when he like resisted yeah. that he caught the light tube on the neck and resulted in that catastrophic injury. Right. They didn't really dwell on this too much. Cause the whole point of the show is that Nick Gage is one bad mama jamma, but like, <laughs> <laughs> He's very good at what he does. Yeah. And he and David Arquette could have had a match, where he busted up David Arquette in a perfectly good, perfectly respectable death match, where nobody even came close to but, almost dying.
1: But they set this, they set it up perfectly with Moxley's part at the beginning, where when mm-hmm. he was out there for the first time with Nick Gage, it started going way, way further than what it was supposed to, and what he had said, and all this stuff. Yeah. And and it freaked him out. Uh, but then then he kind of came around because he's into that type of stuff too and he realized what was happening but in the moment even he had that moment so then for someone like David Arquette right you can totally see how like why and how that happened
0: exactly so it's a really interesting exploration like i said like the, the best stuff in wrestling isn't just where they blur the line between reality and kayfabe, but when it's like they see where the line is and they play with it and that's how they work the audience. That's super interesting. And they did that very well here. And it just paradoxically, like it gives you a greater appreciation for both Nick Gage and David Arquette and David Arquette as this Hollywood actor trying to navigate the world of professional wrestling. Right. It was super, super interesting. And then of course, like, of course, at the end, Gage pins him and is like, stay down. Yep. And the match ends and David Arquette's like, right, the match is done. I'm going to the hospital because I think I might be dying.
1: <laughs> right. And, and I love how, I love how uh, Nick Gage out. thought that, too. Like, when when it happened, he's like, oh, no, did I just kill David Arquette? Yeah. <laughs> no, course, you didn't, Nick, know, because you, you cannot kill David Arquette. You can't.
0: He teed that up so perfectly, and I guarantee you, like – you and I, and maybe the people who wrote that song, were the only people who were like, nah.
1: <laughs> nah. nope, nope." We all knew it can't happen, can't uh, happen.
0: Oh, yeah, it's real man. good. It's real good. That was
1: awesome. That was great. And then, did you see the little bonus clip that they put out on Twitter? Mm-mm. Okay, <laughs> this is this is even better. So, when uh, David Arquette was making the documentary, he. Uh, he you know wanted the footage from that match and so Naturally. reached out to like the the company whatever g g w and uh, nick gage and nick gage was just like yeah i'm a i'm a wrestler you're going to pay me for it and they're like no we can't cuz it's a documentary so like apparently you you can't like pay for clips or something for documentaries which i don't know if that's true or not maybe it just with however they were going about it I don't know, but might've just been a budgetary thing. Honestly, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think that's the whole true. Thing Cause he was, can't
0: be asking for a lot of money. Right? right. I mean, I don't know how he lives,
1: but yeah, I think the whole, the way they made it seem is like, we can't pay you for this. Like, however it's set up, we can't hmm. do that making this documentary. Um, so he was like, all right, forget you. And just wasn't going to do anything. So like they tried several times and then eventually David was like, well, what if, well, we can't pay you, but what if, like, I buy you a mattress? <laughs> so he sent him, like, a king-sized mattress. And that's, like, one of the greatest things ever. And David Arquette's sitting there laughing about it. He's like, yeah, so this death match ends with a bed. Like, a nice that's soft incredible. bed. And it's just, like, uh, yeah, they put that out on Twitter. It's, like, a bonus, like, clip about that. Oh, and I good. was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's just fantastic.
0: That's amazing. And by the way, uh, shout out to David Arquette for starting on the show by saying, "I am the former WCW <laughs> World Heavyweight Champion." Hell and you yeah. can't take that away from me.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> that
0: was awesome.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, uh, that was so good. And uh yeah, it even um and I I tweeted out that and uh <laughs> I saw that. And he, he responded, man. He still he still remembers who we are.
0: Still I
1: know I'm, I'm shocked every time, honestly, yep. me every too. time <laughs> me too. But yeah, he, uh, he quote tweeted my, uh, my tweet about that. And, uh, yeah, so he still knows who we are, which is just nuts. It's crazy to, it's crazy that I've never, we've never seen David Arquette in person. We've never gotten to meet him. Don't have anything from him. And yet he's the one celebrity that knows at least vaguely who I am and that I exist.
0: What didn't he send you some? You cannot kill David Arquette. Stickers that oh, we yeah, those. Oh yeah, from yeah, him? yeah, yeah. We got did. those from him.
1: Yeah, he did send. Uh, he did send me some of those. No, Mark,
0: the day he gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame is going to be one of the greatest days of my life because that's just
1: road trip. It's beautiful man. man. Oh yeah, no, I know. We, we won't n- even I've, be I've, at WrestleMania. We're, we'll just be at listen, the Hall of Fame uh, ha- ceremony. I've never watched a Hall
0: of Fame ceremony in my life, but I'd I'm watch gonna watch that one. It's gonna be awesome.
1: We're gonna be there for that one. Yeah, can't, no, can't absolutely. Are you kidding? Oh man. That will be the greatest thing ever. That will be the greatest thing ever when he finally gets in the WWE Hall of Fame. But uh But anyway, so that was pretty awesome. But I think that pretty much that pretty much wraps it up. Wraps it up, much, right? Uh, I'm trying
0: to think if there's anything else. Hmm. That's really. pretty much it. It's very funny that what was like Obviously, it shows this incident a little bit more from Nick Gage's perspective, but I thought it was really funny as somebody who's been following David Arquette's career for basically its entirety yeah. and knew nothing about Nick Gage, that it did the exact same thing for Nick Gage, yeah. which is that everyone else was like, oh yeah, Nick Gage still out here almost killing people? Heck yeah, <laughs> dude, let's go. And like, he had a career renaissance out of this too, so it really made... Not, it's not that it made him, because he no. was established, but it remade him, yeah. and it just certified David Arquette as somebody who was willing to die for wrestling, yeah. and I thought that was very funny and a very interesting perspective to see the same match be this real watershed moment for both people. That was really, really cool. It's well worth your time. Um, if you somehow managed to listen to all of this and you haven't watched it yet, as of four 21 PM on Sunday. It's still, it's on YouTube. Somebody has a pirated copy of it up. They're making money off of it cause it had ads. But like if you're listening to this on Monday, it might still be up. If you just look up <laughs> dark side of the ring, Nick gauge, if not, obviously watch it with your cable provider, maybe find it on demand well worth your time. Very, yeah. very good documentary.
1: For sure. And, uh, their next episode is going to be a topic we already covered. They're doing North Korea, WCW in North yes. Korea, and it's going to be awesome.
0: <laughs> Genuinely, like the episode itself wasn't that wild, but that topic and the fact that that happened and that exists yep, is one of my favorite, like weird pro wrestling curiosities of all time. Just
1: hearing all the stories from Eric Bischoff about this trip is just awesome. I can't wait, dude. Because I'm pretty I'm, sure I'm they glad did, you reminded me. They did a pod, I'm pretty sure on 83 Weeks, they did a whole thing on this at one point. Um And so there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I know they did. I just don't remember when it was. I don't remember if it was before we did ours or after, but, uh, yeah, just hearing the stories of Eric Bischoff talking about being there and, and some of the stuff is is nuts. So yeah, this is going to be great. In preview footage you've seen is
0: Ric Flair in it. Like, do you know who's in it or do you not? I don't, I don't know know anything.
1: I haven't seen any Anything about it? I just know that's the next episode. I would,
0: I mean, spoiler alert. Hopefully for the documentary, but the, my favorite part of that episode is that like they are putting on a pro wrestling show in front of an audience who who can barely like has barely seen movies, let alone professional wrestling, and the whole card is weird and like a little stilted, and it's hard for them to work the audience because it's such a foreign literally and figuratively like concept to these people yeah and then at the end of the show rick flair and antonio Inoki go out and just tear the house down. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they're amazing Dark so i would be rain. very disappointed if rick flair isn't in this because of like some technicality with a wwe contract he deserves to be on the show because he makes that story and yeah. I really, really hope they have him on there or at least have Eric Bischoff on there talking about how great he is. But I'm, oh, I'm really I'm sure, looking sure they've to got that.
1: it. I'm sure they'll have Eric Bischoff on there. Like I, I'm sure he'll be there. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to watch this to see if I see Ric Flair in anything. I don't I don't know. That's
0: a shame, man. That's the kind of thing, man, that that needs to be on the network. I don't, I, I guess they didn't film it. I don't know. Yeah. Or,
1: I, well, at least in this like season preview, I don't see any Ric yeah. Flair. Man. Now I would hope be, they have him somewhere. That would be a shame. Yeah. If he, yeah. Cause I agree. If he's not there, that's gonna, you're just missing the whole element of that, which is definitely needed. Um, but yeah, largest wrestling crowd in the history of the world. Yep. 150,000 <laughs> people. That's what happens when it's a government mandated event that you have to go to.
0: I was going to say Vince wishes he could just force two hundred thousand people to go watch a wrestling he so show. Does.
1: He so does. That's he's incredible. There, he's that... like, oh man, one of these days. You're like Vince. Yeah. That's a that's North Korea. It's like, oh yeah, sorry, never mind. It's literally, yeah,
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: It's good anyway, stuff, y'all. That was Go watch
0: that. Go listen to that episode if you haven't already. We yeah. got to make sure by the way this is inside baseball we got to make sure to like re-up that episode like tweet about it a lot the oh, week that yeah. dark side of the ring debuts
1: yeah I do need to remember to do that that is true I need to try and uh, feed off of that but um, exactly. definitely yeah go check that out it was I think that was from season two that was from a ways it was a while ago but um, yeah I think it's called WCW in North Korea. I think I just called it something like that, but, um, yeah, yeah. Go check that out. Uh, speaking of that, follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla and Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. And, uh, you know, I post all the links to the episodes and stuff like that there and follow back wrestling fans. And there's also just random other wrestling stuff we do there. So, uh, yeah. And go back and listen to our old episodes. We've been doing this for like three years. So there's a lot, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of episodes to catch up on. And, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm
0: Matt Harris Wilson.
1: So do that as well. And uh, yeah, that's really all I got. Any final thoughts, Harris?
0: Uh, all hail uh, Bailey, our new SmackDown Women's Champion. Congratulations, champ. You deserve it.
1: Uh, oh, what a way to end the show. Uh, <laughs> now, we'll, we'll end it the way it should always end with, of course, no matter what happens, you cannot kill David Arcad. Talk to you guys next time.